0: Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. Thanks for joining us today. Really glad to have you here. And if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in as well. Uh, Just a real quick announcement from me, a reminder that on Palm Sunday, which is five weeks from today, um, March 24th, we are going to have a special beautiful thing offering towards the building fund. Uh, We're trying to pay off this facility, if, if uh, you guys remember, some of you may not have heard this before, but a little over a year ago, we purchased this building for $350,000, and uh, we put money down on it. You guys uh, gave faithfully this past year. We raised over, I think it was over $50,000 during last year's Beautiful Thing offering. And so we now owe on this building less than 190000 So we're working our way down, trying to pay off the building as quickly as possible, so that we can consider building expansion or whatever God might have for us in the future. So I would encourage you, um, start saving towards that building fund. I'm asking all of us to consider giving a reverse tithe, meaning normally on a weekend, we give 10% to the church and we live on 90% of our income. And on that Sunday, we're asking you to give 90% to the building fund and live on 10% which is pretty hard to do, right? Live on 10. So you pretty much have to save your money between now and then. So anyway, five weeks from today, we're going to have our beautiful thing offering. So if you would be saving up for that. All right, so last month, we had our Vision Sunday. If you guys remember that, that was on January 14th. We introduced our word for the year. Do you guys remember what it is? Fight. Yeah, fight is our word for the year. And then we spent three weeks... Studying the three enemies of our soul, right? Our flesh, the world, and the devil with a small d, right? Small, small d devil. All right, and then we, we spent 21 days fasting as a church, preparing ourselves spiritually, I believe. It's kind of like going to spiritual boot camp was the, the 21 days of fasting. Uh, preparing ourselves for battle. Now, before we go into actually starting to fight, because we're, we are going to be doing that throughout this next year, Um, we need to get dressed for battle, right? We need to get dressed. We need to put on our armor. We need to put on our armor. So today we are starting a new message series titled Suit Up, Becoming Battle Ready. And we are going to spend some time going through the armor of God as outlined in Ephesians chapter 6. So you can turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, this is where the armor of God is listed. And if you grew up in the church, uh, went to Sunday school, you might have heard about the armor of God, right? That's where we have like the, the sword of, you know, the word of God, right? The sword of the spirit, the, the, the shield of faith. And we like drew pictures of them and, and did that kind of thing. Well, I just want to let you know, I, I think it's great that we do that with children, but the armor of God is much, much more than a children's story. Right, we are in a spiritual battle, and Paul is giving us insights on how we can be prepared for this spiritual battle, and ultimately how we can win, right? How we can win. So what I want to do is read Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. First, it's kind of setting up our series, and then I want to go through those verse by verse, but first let me read the first four verses. Verse 10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So right up front, Paul is reminding us that our strength in this battle is not our own. All right? We need to find our strength in God if we are going to win this battle. So we have to press into our relationship with the Lord. We can't fight this without him. Verse 11, it says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There are several pieces of armor. And I love that Paul is reminding us, put them all on, right? Put on the full armor of God. We need to put on every piece of this if we're going to win this battle. We can't go into battle without our helmet on, right? I mean, that's we're going to have a weakness there. We can't go into battle without our breastplate on. Then our heart's not covered. So we have to put on every piece. There isn't a single piece of the armor of God that's not important. So we have to put on the full armor. And then he says to take your stand against the devil's schemes. I, I love that. You know, that in my mind, that illustration of taking your stand is like you're, you're, you're getting your feet set, right? And you're taking your stand. Why do we do that? because something's going to come against us, right? So we have to take our stand. We need to be prepared because the enemy is going to come and he's going to attack us. And then he goes on and says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is reminding us that our battle is not against people. Let me say that again. Our battle in this world is not against people. Our enemy is invisible, right? Just like the Lord is invisible, right? We we can't see the Lord, but we can feel him, and we can see his impact. That's the spiritual forces of evil in our lives. We can't see our enemy. He's invisible, but we can see the effects of the enemy. We can feel the enemy's presence. So if you think that your battle is against a person, you're being deceived by the devil. He's making you think that your sister is your problem. Your husband is your problem. Your neighbor, your coworker, your boss... They are your enemy, and the devil would love to distract you so that you're focused on somebody with flesh and blood, and you're pointing at them. And then he can just invisibly slide around and manipulate the situation. And we waste all of our time, all of our energy, all of our emotion fighting flesh and blood. So we got to stop doing that. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And then he details He says, rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, the invisible realm, that's our enemy. Guys, we have enemies of our soul. We just can't see them. We can't see them. And he reminds us of that. And then in verse 13, he says, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you you have done everything to stand. He again says the full armor. He's like, guys, don't just put on a piece. You got to put it all on. Put on the full armor. And then he says, when the day of evil comes. He doesn't say if the day of evil comes. He says when the day of evil comes. I was during worship this morning. I was just thinking about the many times that God has delivered me from the hand of the enemy. I mean, many, many times. I mean, I was thinking back into high school. I was actually even thinking back to, as a child, I was allergic to the laundry detergent that my mom was using for my clothes, and I got pneumonia as just a, I don't know, I'm going to talk to her tomorrow and ask, like two or three month old, and I was in the hospital. I mean, I could have died. I mean, the devil has been out to get me from the day I was born. And he's been out to get you from the day you were born, or at least from the day you were born again. I mean, the devil hates you. And so he is going to come after you. The day is going to happen. It's not an if, it's a when. So when the day of evil comes, and then he he says this again, so that you can stand, stand your ground. And then when you've done everything, you stand. I mean, that's the battle. That's the onslaught that we're going to have. Think of it like if there's a, a, a flood of water coming and you're in the shallow water and the flood's coming. I mean, it's, it's this idea. Okay, the flood is coming. I need to be prepared. I need to be ready for this because the onslaughts are going to come. The devil is going to attack us and we need to be ready to take on those hits. But then at the end of our series, we're going to talk about how we hit back. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Anyway, so so that's, that's how he sets things up, right? He sets it up to say we're in a spiritual battle. He says, put on the full armor, and then he details what that full armor is, and it's a metaphor related to a Roman soldier's coat of arms, right? I mean, that's what it is. So he's using something that everybody understands, Not everybody understands. So We don't understand because we don't see people walking around in armor, right? But we can get it. We can get it. So verse 14, stand firm. Again, he's got that whole stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So that section of Scripture is what we're going to go into detail with over the next several weeks as we detail the various pieces of our armor. But today, we're going to talk about the belt of truth. And I'm excited about it because it's the very first piece of armor that Paul talks about, but it's also the most forgotten piece of armor. I was As I was mentally going through the the armor of God. I'm like, okay, we're going to have the sword of spirit. We're going to have the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and the shield of faith. I'm like, I think there's another one. I'm like, what, what is it? What is it? You know, and I had to go back and read it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's the belt, the belt of truth. So we're going to talk about the belt of truth today. That's the message title. And I'm going to give us some reasons why we should really prioritize the belt of truth, why we should strap it on, why, why we should self-evaluate to say, are we wearing the belt of truth, or did we take it off? Because it's important to have. It's the very first piece of our armor. All right, but let me pray, and I'll give us some things that we can fill in. So God, I thank you that you did not leave us as orphans in this world, God. You sent us the Holy Spirit, and you gave us the word of God, the inspired truth of your spirit, God, to speak into our hearts and to give us revelation, Lord, into how we're supposed to live this life. So I pray that you would open up our eyes and ears to hear from you today. Give me your words to speak in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we should strap on the belt of truth because number one, it protects our reputation. It protects our reputation. I'm gonna play a 30-second commercial. You guys have probably seen this one before, but watch this. It's been so long since I've seen you. You guys should come over and watch the game again this Sunday. We would love that. You said you didn't wanna watch the game with them. What? No I didn't, sweet. You said they never stopped talking. Girl, I never said that. She's just be making stuff up. We don't need to see the replay. You always took it. This what really happened replay is brought to you by Progressive. One thing no one would challenge saving money when you bundle home and auto with progressive. See? Where is that bus? I love those commercials because basically you have somebody caught in a lie, right? I mean that's what's happening. They're like, no, I never said that, or I didn't say that. Or I know and they're like replaying it. Wish we could do that in life, right? Let's let's find out. Or some of you are like, no, I'm really glad we can't do that in this life. It's super embarrassing to get caught in a lie, right? Anybody ever been there before? Oh, just me. Okay, I'm glad to know. <laughs> you guys are just good liars. You don't get caught in them. I have before, and I tell you what, man, it is, it is so embarrassing. You're like, oh, yeah, I did, oh, you know, that kind of thing. You don't know what to say when you're confronted with the truth, and, the, and the, the, the bad part about it is that people lose respect with you, right? And then they, they stop trusting you and they stop believing you. Guys, if we are going to be good representatives of Christ, we can't have untruthfulness in our lives, right? We need to have a solid reputation with others and that comes with honesty sometimes brutal honesty paul outlines this as a characteristic of an overseer he says he must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap so god paul is saying he says if if you don't have a good reputation and i would say part of that is being unethical, being dishonest, right? Then you're falling into the devil's trap. He's like, got you. And we don't want to be in the devil's trap. We don't want to be caught by the devil. But dishonesty, being dishonest, will, will do that to us. Uh, a friend of mine uh, was a car salesman. a used car salesman. And he really struggled at his job because I don't know if you guys know much about used car salesmen, but their goal is usually not to tell you everything that's wrong with a vehicle, right? They're trying to make a sale. I remember the first car I bought from a used car salesman and I spent at least twice what it was worth. It had been in a car accident. I was just dumb and naive, right? I just trusted the salesperson to tell me what was wrong with it. And uh, the, the air conditioner wasn't even hooked up because it had been like torn apart and it just was a mess. And I remember by the time I sold the car, actually, I think I traded it in, um, there was like 21 things that were wrong with it that just bothered me. You know, it was one of those cars that once you got it up to 55 miles an hour, it just started to shake, you know. (laughs) And and the, the salesperson knew all of that. Well, they say they saw me coming a mile away, right? Well, I don't buy cars from used car salesmen anymore, right? I would rather buy it off of Facebook where there are amateur, you know, dishonest people instead of <laughs> professional <laughs> dishonest people. <laughs> but my friend, he worked at a car dealership, you know, used car dealership, and he really struggled because his boss is like, why did you tell him that was wrong? Why did you? He ended up having to quit his job because... He had to do well in his job to do what his bosses told him, wanted him to do. He had to be dishonest with people. Guys, we we have to strap on the belt of truth, of honesty, of integrity. We got to have that in place. And if we don't, man, our reputation is going to falter. And we're going to lose in our battles with our enemies. Hebrews 16, or Hebrews 6, 18, and says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. Man, I just love that about our God. He, just, he is truth, he cannot lie. The devil, on the other hand, Jesus said this about him when he was talking to some Jews who were trying to trap him. He said, You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So God can't help but speak truth. The devil can't help but speak lies. And when we lie, when we deceive, who do we sound like? not like our Father God. Proverbs 12, says, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy, people who tell the truth. So little white lies, half-truths, withholding the truth. Guys, this is detestable to God, and it will ruin us in battle. We've got to put on the belt of truth in every area of our life. And I'm going to be so bold as to say, if you are in a relationship or you are in a job that requires you to take that belt off, get out of there. Get out of that relationship. Get out of that job. Get out of that situation. Because you are walking around without the very first part of your armor in place. And it's an important piece. It's an important piece. So we should strap on the belt of truth because it protects our reputation. Secondly, it frees us up for action. How does the belt free us up for action, the belt of truth? Well, verse 14 says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Uh, The King James Version says it this way, Stand therefore having your loins girt about you with truth. Loins girt about with truth. What does that mean, right? What does that mean? It doesn't sound like something you should say in church is what it doesn't sound like. (laughs) It's it's the phrase girding up your loins, all right? Um, That means preparing oneself for action. Now, Let me give you the illustration, though. (laughs) So Roman soldiers, right, they, they wore tunics. Now, they're not dresses, they're not robes, they're not skirts. They're tunics, all right? Keep that in mind. And so if you're going to gird up your loins, you can leave that up there, what you would do is you would actually take your, your tunic, right? And you would take it up and you would, I don't know what they do, but you tuck it into your belt, all right? And so then they were ready for action, right? They're ready for action. They don't have the robe around their legs, okay? So that's what Paul is actually saying here. He's saying, put on your belt, so you can actually get get your robe tucked up, so you can get ready for action. It's your belt of truth. If we are going to win our spiritual battles, we need to have the truth of God around our waist, and we need to be able to stand ready for action without past untruths swirling around our legs, tripping us up. Guys, if we have past lies in our life, it's time to gird up our loins, right? It's time to come clean. It's time to confess. It's time to get freedom from the past. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. As a pastor, for several years, I've had dozens, if not maybe well over 100 people come to me and confess like a sin area or something that happened to them, something they've never told anyone before. And I'll tell you what, man, I've I've seen, especially when they're confessing like a sin or whatever, they're like so afraid like the devil has them so bound up by this. And then they're able to actually like release it. And it's like, wow, you know, they just, they tell me. And then they're waiting for something like, you know, like the, the ceiling's gonna fall and a lightning bolt's gonna, something's gonna happen. And what, you know what happens every time? They find freedom. See, that, that past lie, that past untruth was, was tangling around their legs It was keeping them from being able to walk, you know, and they just needed to just belt on the truth. Speak the truth. Tell the truth. And when they did, every time, I've seen them walk away in freedom. Every time. John 8.31 says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you were really my disciples, then you will know the truth. And what does the truth do? The truth will set you free. Guys, this, this belt of truth, it's a characteristic. It's not something we spiritually put on, right? I mean, it's not, but it's something that we do grab a hold of and we say, no, I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to put on the belt of truth, and I'm going to live a life of truth today, even if it costs me something. And guys, just remember, unspoken truths are sometimes the biggest lies that we keep. And we, and we hold on to that. Well, well, they don't need to know, or I don't need to share it. it's like, no, you probably do. If you're arguing with yourself, then there's probably something in you that's saying, no, it's, it's probably time for you to come clean and share it. The truth will set you free. So Let's gird up our loins. Free ourselves up for action. Wow, oh, man, I'm just reminded. We get, we get on the belt of truth and we, we get positioned and we're ready to take on the devil. And just when he starts coming in, you know what the first thing he does? Is he reminds us of those secrets. He reminds us of those unconfessed sins. And all of a sudden, we're, we're like, ah. right? It's what he does. But when he comes at you and he reminds you of a confessed sin, you're just like, yeah, and I'm forgiven. <laughs> and I'm going to heaven, you're not. You know what I mean? Like you can remind him of where he's going if we have confessed it. Like he has no ammunition against us in those cases. So let's gird up our loins. Strap on the truth. Tell somebody what you need to tell them. All right. That frees us up for action. Last point. We should strap on the belt of truth because it is the foundation of our defense. I believe it's significant that the belt of truth is the first piece of the armor. This is an image of what a belt might have looked like for a Roman soldier, that black leather belt. And it has um, the breastplate the, you know, that goes over the torso. That's that's tied up and attached to the belt. The sword is attached to the belt. He might have had you know, like a dagger over on the other side attached to the belt. There's, there's armor that protects the legs that are hanging from the belt. You can kind of see this, that the belt of truth right, is the beginning. That's the very first thing that a soldier is going to put on after they put on their tunic. Tunic. You have the <laughs> tunic, huh? But they're going to put it on. They're going to strap it on. And then everything else is attached to that. It's an important foundational piece of our armor. Truth is the foundation of our spiritual armor. You've got to walk in truth. We've got to walk in truth. I have to walk in truth. If we don't strap that on, we have no business going into battle, right? Because if that's not on, we're going to have a a breastplate of righteousness that's just flapping around as we try to fight. It's going to be shifting because it's not attached to anything. We're going to look for our sword, and it's going to be laying on the ground because it's not attached to our our belt on our hip. Our tunic's going to fly wide open. It's not going to be pretty. Take that image out of your mind. No, we've got, we've got to decide right up front. If we're going to go into spiritual battle, truth is going to be our belt. It's going to be what we're known for. It's going to be who we are. Regardless of what got you to where you are today, it's a decision you make. Like today, I start walking in truth. I start speaking the truth. I start living the truth confessing the truth. Proverbs 12:19 through 20 says truthful lips endure forever. But a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Deceit is in the hearts of those who plot evil, but those who promote but those who promote peace have joy. So truthful lips endure forever. I like to say truthful lips will endure the battle. Like will survive the attacks of the enemy. But a lying tongue lasts only a moment. And to me, that illustrates, if, you're, if, you're a, if you have a lying tongue, if you have deceit in your life, you don't have your belt of truth on, man, the devil's gonna overwhelm you. He's got way too much on you for you to go into battle with him. Just take you out. Truthfulness needs to be the first characteristic that we put on to prepare for spiritual battle. Now, some of us today might be feeling a conviction already of an area in your life that you've kept secret or you've told half-truths about. Or maybe you've just outright lied about. That conviction is the Holy Spirit. Praise God we have the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is what takes a message like this, which takes words out of this book and actually applies them to our lives. We need the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But when we are convicted, we need to act on it. If we don't, then conviction the next time is a little bit less because we're hardening our hearts. You guys have heard that idea. So, whenever we are convicted by the Holy Spirit, we need to respond. Otherwise, our hearts get hard. And in this area of of telling the truth, there's only you and God who actually know about this, right? And that's, that's what's so hard about it. It's just like, it's a secret. That's why it's so important to be truthful. So when we're convicted, we need to act, we need to repent, and we need to be sorry for the act, not sorry that we got caught, right? Sorry for it. We need to ask for forgiveness, which is great because God will always forgive us. People may not, but we always ask God and he will forgive us. Sometimes we have to ask people and they may or may not forgive us, but we still need to ask. And we may need to confess it to a person, to a pastor, to a mentor, to a friend, to a prayer team member. When we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, there is power in repentance. And this area of of truthfulness, I don't know who here is being convicted today, but I know there have been seasons in my life when I have been. And I'll tell you, man, I was bound up. And I was no good for battle. But through confession, I was freed up. And I've been a terror to the devil ever since. And we need to be. If we're going to fight, we've got to strap on the belt of truth. A friend of mine uh, told me this story. He had a car that he couldn't afford the payment on anymore. So he came up with an idea, and he ran it into a tree on purpose, totaled it. Collected the insurance money and paid off his car. Nobody knew. Except who? God. Him and God. And he went for a year, two years with this on his mind. He was a follower of Christ. And uh, the Holy Spirit was convicting him. And so he finally confessed to, I don't know if it was a person or a pastor, because they're not the same people, Right. <laughs> Pastors aren't people. <laughs> anyway, confessed it to somebody. And uh, through prayer um, and counsel, he decided he needed to come clean. So he called up his insurance company, let him know that he had committed insurance fraud, which is a crime you can go to jail for. He was fully prepared to go to jail. And by the grace of God, he didn't have to go to jail, and, uh, they, but he paid back every penny of that um, claim, that money that he had taken in. And here's the cool thing. Several years later now, I mean, at that time, it was fully on his head. He thought he was going to go to jail. He was going to lose his reputation. Everything, right? The devil was telling him, keep it a secret, keep it a secret, keep it a secret. And he confessed it, went through a difficult season, but today, he has a wonderful family and is, and is doing wonderful things for God. He's very generous towards God's things. That's when we know the truth, when we live the truth, when we walk in the truth, the truth sets us free. It sets us free. And when we're holding on to lies, when we're speaking lies, living a lie, the devil is going to have a heyday with us because we're walking around without. Super important piece of our armor. Your last villain is just simply the cornerstone of our armor is honesty. Cornerstone of our armor is honesty.